Father, we are thankful for your faithfulness to us. You have proven yourself faithful, and for that we give you praise, worship, and glory. And Father, we want to celebrate that faithfulness today for how you've been faithful to us over these past 365 days. And we also want to give you worship and anticipation of how you will be faithful this next year. And so as we turn our attention to your word, we pray that you would speak to us from it, that your Holy Spirit would challenge us, would convict us, and change us today. In the good name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You take your copy of God's word for the final time on Sunday morning here in 2023 to Psalm 46. Psalm 46, and I want to share a message with you this morning that I've just titled, What I Know About 2024, because we are hours away from moving out of 2023 and into the year 2024. We don't know all that's going to happen, but it should be an interesting year. In fact, it's going to be so much fun next year, they're giving us an extra day. Did you know that? <laughs> you get one extra day next year in just a few hours because there's going to be so much fun involved. We'll be in, uh, we will be able to watch in the summer and and perish the Olympics, and I know we're probably really all excited because next year is an election year. <laughs> I can tell you right now I'm looking forward to that as about as much as nothing, uh, but that's coming up as well. So it's going to be a year that's going to have some interesting and some fun things that takes place. Sure, a lot can happen in a year, can't it? A lot can take place over the course of 365, or as the case next year, 366 days. Think of all that's happened to you personally or professionally over the past 365 days. We, we have all experienced some unexpected blessings, and we all have encountered some unexpected burdens. We've <clears throat> welcomed new people into our lives through marriages and births of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We've also had to bid farewell to some loved ones and some friends who are no longer with us today when they were this time last year. Go ahead and get ready because 2024 is going to have some of the same that we have experienced this year as well. But for all the uncertainty that might lie before us and ahead of us, there are some things which we can be absolutely certain are going to occur in 2024 and 2024. 25 and 2026, and I hope Jesus has come back by then. But if we get to 2027, uh, the, the, the things that are going to be true that are going to occur every single year, and they've occurred this year as well. And, and, and I want to uh, look at Scripture today to kind of show us what that might be, because there's many places in Scripture that, that kind of show us some consistencies and some things that will always take place, and Psalm 46 is one of those places. Now, when we come to Psalm 46, it's important to understand what's happening in the context of this song. The people who are living in the world of Psalm 46 are living in some chaotic times. They are living in some times of confusion. 
They're living in some times of turmoil. They're living in some times where there is uncertainty. Their world, the people that Psalm 46 was written to, their world was being turned upside down. What's happening as the backdrop for Psalm 46 is that the people of God, the Israelites, they are living their life, but there's a big, bad militia, army, military empire called the Assyrians, and they are running through the world trying to overcome it. And when we get to Psalm 46, this big, bad army, the Assyrians, they had already overthrown about 50 different towns and villages and they are now headed to Jerusalem. This is during the reign, most scholars believe, of a man by the name of King Hezekiah, who was the king of God's people during that time. And when this psalm was written, most scholars are in agreement that this was when the king of Assyria and 185,000 of his soldiers had surrounded the city, ready to destroy God's people and God's city. Against that backdrop, we read these words. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. Let me pause right here because you're going to see that word Selah three times. And we're actually going to practice Selah today. Selah was a word that was written. Remember, the Psalms are songs. And Selah was a word that was written as a musical rest. And the idea was that as the people, as the nation, as they were singing these songs, when they came to that word Selah, everyone stopped singing to catch their breath. Now that was physically the purpose of it. Spiritually, Selah serves a purpose as well. Spiritually, as most scholars would, would teach us, that this word Selah means it's time to stop and pause and reflect upon what has just been said. So as the psalmist works through this psalm, whenever he says Selah, it was for both the people to pause and catch their breath will they sing again, but also for them to stop and reflect upon what has been said. It continues in verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought the desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. I want to mention three things to you from Psalm 46. Three things that I learned from this psalm that I know about 2024. Number one is this. I know that in 2024, I won't have to worry about God breaking his promise. 
I know that no matter what happens next year, or even the rest of this day of this year, that I will not have to worry about God breaking his promise, regardless of what valleys we walk through next year, regardless of what messes our mistakes cause next year, regardless of what's going to face us over these next 366 days of 2024, regardless of that, God will not break his promise to be our refuge, our strength, and our help. Look at what he says again in verse 1. God is our refuge and help, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved to the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Notice that the psalmist is, is teaching us that God isn't just pointing us to a refuge outside of himself, but that God himself is our refuge. That word refuge means to trust. That word refuge Refuge means it has the idea of you fleeing to an impenetrable city. It's you going somewhere where there's no chance anyone can get to you or hurt you or harm you. That he is our refuge. He is our fortress. And notice that God promises to hide us in in his shelter and help us by his strength. He is, the psalmist says, a very present help in trouble. Aren't you glad we serve a God who is always available and accessible. He never sleeps or slumbers. And so because of that, he's made a promise. And that promise is that he'll be our refuge. That promise is that he'll be our place of strength. That promise is that he'll be there to assist us and to help us. That, that promise is both for right now and the future. Right now, he is everything we need, and he will be everything we need in the future. And because he has proven himself true to help us in the past, we can trust him in the present, and we can trust him in the future. It was Corey Ten Boom years ago who said, if you look within yourself, you will be depressed. If you look without yourself, you will be distressed. But if you look up at Jesus, you'll be at rest. Because he's made a promise that he's not going to break to be our refuge and our strength. The writer in the first three verses uses some of the worst possible uh, calamities as he described the earthquakes and the mountains slipping into sea. He, he's picturing creation becoming unraveled. When God created in Genesis chapter 1, he separated the land from the water, and, and here in this psalm, it's like everything is unraveling, and the land is going back into the water. He talks about how the mountains are going into the sea, mountains in times of war provided places of refuge. They were safe. They were secure. They were places that that were on very firm footing. And the psalmist is telling us all of that. He's teaching us that even if the literal, physical world falls apart around us, God will not abandon his promise to be our shelter and to give us strength. So next year, When the thing in which you're placing your security on this earth gives way and it's no longer there, don't forget God's promise to be your shelter and your strength. 
Selah. So we're going to Selah. We're going to Selah three times during this sermon. Selah, let's reflect, let's remember, let's rest in God's promise right now. Even when the whole world turns upside down, you can run to him for refuge. So for the next 30 seconds, just bow your head. For the next 30 seconds, I want you to reflect. I want you to see, I want you to reflect, remember. I want you to rest in the promise of God. And for the next 30 seconds, just give God praise as you pray for his promise. Father, we're thankful that your promises never fail. That even when we're faithless, you remain faithful, for you cannot disown yourself. So no matter what comes our way next year, may we run to you as our refuge, our strength, our very present help in times of trouble. Because I know this about next year. And every year and every day of my life is you will never break your promise to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Second, the second thing I know about 2024 is this. I won't have to worry about God withdrawing his presence. Look at again what our text tells us in verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, his presence. She shall not be moved. This city shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. How will he help her? Because he's there with her. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. His presence, he's with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Don't don't glance over what's being told to us in verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That makes no sense geographically. This is one of the only times, Dr. Jackson, that Bible geography is paying off in seminary. Apologies if you're a geography person. The city of God is Jerusalem. Jerusalem did not have a river that ran through it. Other great cities did. Babylon was built on the Euphrates. Egypt had the Nile. But Jerusalem had no river. And yet the psalmist says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. What is that river? Jerusalem did not have a physical river. Jerusalem had a spiritual river. Jerusalem had something better than a physical river. Jerusalem had the presence of God within her. God is in the midst of her. 
When the oceans rage and when the ocean foams, God's presence is depicted in this psalm as a calm and gently flowing stream that brings joy and gladness to his people. I'm telling you, the presence of God in his people should bring joy. Therefore, if there's never any joy in your life, you might want to see where the presence of God is in your life. Because the presence of God in our lives brings joy. One of the central themes of Scripture is God's presence with his people. Now, let me show you something that stuck out to me this week in studying this psalm. Look back in verse 5. God is in the midst of her, of his people. In the midst of her, that carries the idea of tabernacling. When the Old Testament saints, when they were walking through the wilderness, God, the promised land, God told them to build a tabernacle so he could meet with them, so he could dwell with them. God is in the midst of them. That has the idea of God tabernacling with them. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Verse 14 of John chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling tabernacled. He made his dwelling among us. Who's that talking about? Jesus. Jesus. And then look at what he says in verse 7, that this God is with us. That the way they describe God in verse 7 is a God who is with us. Matthew chapter 1 says that there will be a Savior who is born, and he's to be given the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is talking about the presence of God. This is pointing us to Jesus. Listen, when we place our faith in Jesus, the presence of God doesn't just envelop us, it indwells us. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, we become the temple of God. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit where his presence dwells with us. So no matter what happens in 2024, even when, as the psalmist says, the nations rage and the kingdoms totter, you will not spend one single second separated from the presence of God. This is why Jesus said in John chapter 1, or John chapter 14, He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because either sees him or knows him. You know him because this spirit dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Selah. Selah. Let's reflect, let's remember, let's rest in the presence of God. No matter how bad things may get in your life, he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Even if everyone else around you abandons you, he will remain faithful. 30 seconds, again, 30 seconds. Sit in silence before God. Selah, think about his presence and give him praise for that presence.
Father, we're thankful that you never leave us or forsake us. That as we have a relationship with you, the Holy Spirit indwells us so that there's never a time your presence is not with us. We give you praise for that. As we walk into this new year, we do not know what it holds, but we know that you're going to be there. We don't know what's around the corner, but we know you're going to be there waiting for us to help us. So help us to rest in your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a third thing I know about 2024 according to Psalm 46, and that's this. I won't have to worry about God losing his power. No matter what happens next year, I will not have to worry about God losing his power. We are given a command in verse 8. In fact, let's just read verses 8, 9, 10, and 11 again. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. That, that command back in verse 8 is to behold the works of the Lord. This is so important. So important. You become what you behold. Okay, I won't have to sink in. You become what you behold. If you show me what you behold, I will show you what you're going to become. You become what you behold. If you behold your circumstances, you become your circumstances. If you behold your calamity, you behold, you become your calamity. But if you will behold your God, if you will behold his works, you will see his works take place in your life. And the works of the Lord that the psalmist calls us to behold show us the power of God. Remember I told you earlier that at this time when this psalm was written, the Assyrians, they are the guys in charge. They are the armies who are bullying their way through the world. And their goal is to occupy, their goal is to conquer and overthrow the entire world. But God says, not so fast. God says that he will break the bow. He will shatter the spear. He will burn the chariots with fire. Broken bows, shattered spears, burnt chariots have no value. They are no longer effective. They cannot function. So listen, hear me. As we go through our life, as we go through next year, when all we see are the bows, when all we see are the spears, when all we see are the chariots coming at us, we can become hopeless and we can feel helpless, but we must behold the works of the Lord as he displays his power because through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has defeated our depravity. God has defeated the devil. God has defeated death itself. God has broken our bondage and set us free. That is the kind of power our God has and he'll not lose one molecule of it. Not one. He will not lose his power. But here's the thing about beholding. 
of the 11 verses in Psalm 46. 10 are spoken or written from the third person, from, from the psalmist perspective of God. One verse, verse 10, is God speaking himself. And God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is one of the most misunderstood verses in the book of Psalms. This verse, when it says to be still, that doesn't just mean to have a moment of silence. It does mean that. That's not all it means. To be still doesn't, mean, doesn't just mean to stop for a second. It means to stop for it, but it means more than that. In the imagery, remember the imagery of Psalm 46 is a nation at war. The language in the Hebrew behind the word still means to let go of your weapons. And here's the idea. It's us in our relationship with God. It's us with closed fist. It's us doing things our way. It's us seeking our path. It's us thinking we know what's best for us. And when we be still before God, it's opening our hands and dropping our arms to our side in full surrender of what God has for us. That's exactly what it means to be still. Now, you have to stop to do that. You have to be silent to do that. But it's more than just stop talking for a minute. It's it's to surrender. To be still is to surrender. God is saying, will you surrender yourself and know that I am God. Come into an intimate relationship and knowledge of me. Know me, not just intellectually, but, but know me relationally. And if you do that, I'll be exalted among the nations. And you know what? If God is sovereign, <laughs> if God is sovereign over the nations... He's sovereign over you. If God, don't you ever think for a minute that what happens in the world is outside the scope of God's control. God may not be the one causing things to happen. God did not cause Russia to invade Ukraine. God did not cause Hamas to attack Israel. But don't think for a minute that God's not able to go, you know what, I'm going to take this and I'm just going to move these pieces around. Because I've got a plan. And I'm going to move this here and I'm going to move it there. And I'm going to direct everything to accomplish my purpose. Because he is the one who breaks the bows. He's the one who shatters the spears. He's the one who burns the chairs. And if God can do that in the world, God can do that in your life. To say that he is sovereign. To say that he is powerful over nations means that he's also sovereign and powerful over your circumstances. No matter what happens, remember this. God will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. He is working all things for his glory and for our ultimate good. When you cannot trace his hand, you can trust his heart. Because he is still sovereign. And he is still powerful. Jesus Christ is God and Lord of history. Nothing will ever leave him bewildered or catch him by surprise. Selah. Selah. 
Let's, let's reflect, let's remember, let's rest in the power of God. So in these, in these next 30 seconds, I want you to, to think about the power of God and I want you to surrender yourself to his supremacy, to be still and let go and allow him to have control. Selah. Father, I'm thankful that you are Lord over all and above all. I'm thankful that nothing will ever catch you by surprise. But Father, for us to see you exalted in that way, we must be still. We must let go. We must unclench our fist and place our hands at our side and surrender to your supremacy. I'm thankful that you're in charge because that means I don't have to be. I can rest and rely upon you. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we wrap up, here are three quick action steps I want you to take as a result of this. The last day of this year, and I want you to take these three action steps. One, prepare to meet God. As a result of what we've seen so far in Psalm 46, we need to make sure that we are prepared to meet God. James tells us that our life is like a mist. It appears for a moment and then it vanishes. We can look around us and we can see prophecy being fulfilled, which means we're inching closer and closer to the day in which Jesus will return. Be it through your death or the return of Jesus, you need to be prepared to meet God should you stand before him in 2024. Life is too unpredictable. It is too brief to live it without God at the center. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, this moment is the only guaranteed chance you have. You don't have the guaranteed chance tonight because you may not make it there. This moment is your only guaranteed chance to surrender yourself to Jesus. If you take that step, I hope that you'll tell somebody about what Jesus has done for you. Make it your New Year's resolution and go ahead and start knocking it off the list before the year even gets here to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. And then I want to challenge you to be the disciple that Jesus has called you to be. Become serious about gathering for worship. Pray as if everything depends on it because it does. Deal with sin in your life. Extend grace and forgiveness to others. Scatter from this place and let your light shine for King Jesus. May we end this year the same way we will begin next year. By trusting in the good promise of God. By seeking to abide in his, abiding in his presence. And by surrendering yourself to his supremacy and power. Bow with me this morning. I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand and sing. Whatever God's placed upon your heart today, I simply want you to say yes to whatever he's calling you to do. To end this year in a way that honors and glorifies him to begin the next year in that same manner.
Father God, I thank you that Jesus did for me what I could never do for myself. That he lived the life I could never live. He died the death I should have died so I could have eternal life. And Father, I'm thankful that I can trust every promise that you've given to us. Not one good word of your promise has failed, nor will it fail. I'm thankful that your presence is always with us. Father, I'm thankful that your power will never diminish. We know in whom we have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have entrusted and guarded to him against that day. So between now and that day, may we continue to trust you and follow you. In the good name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our prayer.